0: Welcome to Tackless Radio. Well, well, well. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between back to Techless Radio. I am be bad It's time for Shit I Saw. And today, <clears throat> I'm going to take it over to Facebook. So I'm in this Facebook group that is titled Black and Single, Millennial and Degreed." Trust me, do not let that title fool you. I'm... St- I'm in the group because it's absolutely fucking ratchet and hilarious to just see people bicker all day. No one's getting together. No one's getting married. No one's hooking up. No one's finding a bay. It's just literally basically a Facebook group that I follow to get like the best laughs of the day. So anywho, I was scrolling through and came across this post that said, If you were forced to spend your life in one season, what would it be? Spring, summer, fall, winter. And I was like, what season would I actually (laughs) spend the rest of my life in? And I thought about it and thought about it and actually just had this conversation. And I was like, I would spend the rest of my life in the season of fall. And here's why. I live in Chicago. We get like, yeah, we kind of get the four seasons, but not really. Like, yes, we get fall and yes, we get spring. We definitely get a summer, but not long enough. But bitch, there is a winter. So (laughs) I really do have to like switch out my clothes. And it's so interesting because like some people in America don't have like winter clothes and Summer clothes to the extent that you have to pack up your winter attire, store that shit away and then take out the summer clothes and then put that shit into the closet and, you know, swap out. Like currently it's called a Spock in Chicago. So all of my winter clothes are currently in my apartment and all of my summer clothes are in my storage unit. All of my summer attire is packed away. I know there's some people that like live in Florida that they're like, girl, I got two pair of jeans and a hoodie in the back just in case it gets to 78 degrees. But other than that, what do you mean I'm packing clothes away? I know. I know. So with that, a lot of people who live in climates where you get seasons, <laughs> we have summer and winter and spring and fall, in my opinion. You can always tell who actually has style in the fall season. It is very easy to get away with some shit in the winter because we understand that you look like the abominable snowman for logical reasons. Like we understand you look like the abominable snowman just so that you could stay warm and not get frostbitten. Like we understand that we are sacrificing style for functionality because bitch is cold. All I'm going to say is if y'all see me outside and I look like a wrapped up newborn baby, don't say nothing because it's cold and it's always cold. So you get a pass in the wintertime and the summertime it's just too easy. And that's it. Like the summertime is so easy to get away with your style because women understand that all you need to do is put on some shorts and a cute tank top or put on your good sundress. And ladies, you all know what I mean when I say that good sundress. Every girl got a good sundress. Like we got some sundresses that you throw on real quick because you're going to run to the store and then come right back. And then you got them backyard barbecue, playing, spades, doing the candy dance, like you got that, that sundress that you kind of put to the side when you know you're going to see him, but you're not sure if he going to bring her that sundress. Oh yeah, bitch, we all got that sundress. It is just so easy to get away with if you do or don't have style in the summer because skin and people are like, it is what it is. But in the fall, <laughs> but baby. In the fall, you got to actually put on some shit. And that's where that separates the girls from the women. Mm -hmm. Because tell me about your layers. What is your color palette for this season? Do you have a good boot with a good heel? Are you a hat type of girl? Do you do beanies? Do you do berets? What is the jewelry like? Are you bracelets? Are you watches? Are we sunglasses big? Are we doing them skinny? What are we doing? What are we doing? I want to see it. Like, are we doing color blocking? Are we doing monochromatics? Like, that's where you really shine if you actually got some style. And plus, it's just perfect outside. Like, I don't like to be overly sweaty and I don't like to be like so cold like frigid cold and a good sunny autumn day like a good sunny autumn day oh my god amazing absolutely amazing it feels so good to have on like a cute boot with like a three inch chunky heel that come all the way up to the knee with like a dark wash jean and a good cozy sweater bitch. Yes. With like a little shirling vest and a good scarf and a hot coffee. Oh, and here's the thing. I love the fall and I live in a city that only gives it to me for three weeks. So I can't even cherish it the way that it deserves to be cherished. I want to be able to have an actual season of fall. Like Like, I should be able to get two months of fall. But in Chicago, that does not happen. You do not get two months of fall. Unfortunately, we barely get two months of spring, even. It's like cold all the way until June, July pop, August hits. September's like, all right, we're about to tuck this away because school starts. October is maybe fun for those three weeks, like the beginning of October, because I will admit it has snowed on Halloween before. And I'm like, wow, really, really? And I decided to be a bunny and it's snow on the ground. Wow, Chicago, you really played me. Okay, okay. And then it is winter fell until... June again. <laughs> so fall is just like such a comfortable climate where I live. And it's a beautiful one at that the trees and the colors and the beautiful lake and that breeze that comes in. Ugh, oh, so gorgeous. So absolutely amazing. And it also tells me That you legging, Ugg boot, North Face jacket wearing chicks just won't have it yet again for another season. Just won't get it. Just won't get it. The Peter Pan boots just won't make it work. Can't do it. So sorry. And it really tells. (laughs) It really tells the difference between you girls and you women. Because, oh, Lord Jesus. Like, honey, it's October. Why are we doing neon pink nails? okay where are your jewel tones love where's your maroon where's your opals your emeralds come on now get it together get it together okay i need you all to step your pussies up okay welcome back i finally figured out a name for this segment (laughs) And I am going to call it random realities. And that is because the information I'm going to give you might be random, but it is a reality. So there is this amazing man by the name of Khalil Shreve who has been building tiny shelters for homeless people in Toronto has an Instagram page that is Toronto tiny shelters. And, and I found him actually through a video that someone shared on Twitter, which were testimonials from people who live in the tiny shelters that he has built them. Apparently the city of Toronto is suing him because they are saying that these particular shelters that he is building for the homeless are fire hazards so therefore they want him to stop building them and Khalil has actually torched one of the tiny shelters to show that it in fact is not flammable and he's kind of going back and forth with the city of Toronto right now which is ridiculously crazy but after watching the testimonials of the people who live in the tiny shelters, it shows you immediately how important it is for people to have shelter. It messes with your mind and messes with your emotional stability. A lot of people just need somewhere to lay their head, a, a dry, warm place to lay their head, which means all the difference for any human being, because you can quickly see how vibrant so many of these people are to know now that they have something that is sustainable and they understand that it's just temporary, but it's so much better than a tent and it's so much better than boxes or underpass of a highway because so many of the, t- the testimonies just talked about how the shelters have allowed them to secure employment. The tiny shelter has allowed for them to be able to get healthier, for them to be able to go to work, have somewhere where they can keep their important documents and not have to worry about them getting stolen. So many of the women talking about they just don't have to be on alert every hour and not necessarily really sleeping because you have to worry about if someone's going to attack you. It's so eye opening to see how a little jester of creating a tiny shelter. And mind you, they're not like tiny homes. Like these things don't have like, they're not having like running water and indoor plumbing and all of that. Like it literally is something to allow people warmth and dry space for them to be able to go to sleep and have something that they can come to where their important belongings are still there. And it is amazing that Khalil is doing this for the homeless population in Toronto. And it's just absolutely fucking asinine how like the city of Toronto is trying to sue him for the fact that he is changing lives, like creating these out of his own material money coming out of his own pocket with some community support. And my hat goes off to Khalil for the fact that when you see something and you understand that it is a problem, Sometimes you just have to say to yourself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just get up and fix it. Because clearly the city of Toronto, they don't care about the homeless. The city of Toronto is not providing these homeless people sustainable support. And Khalil was like, I'll do it. Check out more information on Toronto tiny shelters. Read more about the amazing work that Khalil is doing for homeless people in Toronto. Read and listen and watch the stories of the people's lives that he has changed. And support, 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 support if you can. Okay, so you all have finally made it to the tackless topic of the week. Tactless topic. This week is going to be on a concept that I made up by the title of Duck in a Desert. And I know you're probably wondering, what the fuck is a duck in a desert mean? Like, why would ducks be in a desert? Exactly, exactly. Keep that in mind. We're going to we're going to boomerang back to that. Keep that. Keep that. Put that in your pocket. So I work in a very interesting spot. Of corporations, and it is the learning and development spot position of corporations and businesses and whatnot. And I essentially am tasked with developing employees of said companies. I also have been tasked with developing managers of said companies. And it is a very interesting job to have (laughs) because I myself have worked in numerous positions. I've been in retail, I've been in not-for-profit, I've been in um, private sectors, I've been in corporations, I've been in tech. So I have seen the employee manager dynamic for a while now. And it is a very interesting one. We all crack jokes about it. You know, I see it on TikTok. I see it on Twitter. I see it on Facebook. I see it on LinkedIn. You know, those jokes about, oh, I have to basically show that my arm got cut off in the car accident for my manager to be like, okay, you can take a sick day, (laughs) which is a very horrible fucking culture to live in if that is the case. But if you talk to anyone who's ever worked at a company, that is essentially the case. It's it's a lot of toxic work cultures in America where managers just do not necessarily get along with their direct hires and A lot of employees just really don't give a fuck about their manager. So I normally am like a therapist (laughs) at the end of the day when I work for companies. The employees, as I am training them, will air out some of their grievances about their development hangups and why they aren't further along or why they can't do what we're asking them to do. And the manager is typically like a 75% reason. (laughs) Um, The other 15% is just like horrible work culture. And then like that other little percent is just like this, you know, you being lazy. So and that's just like people who actually want to be at their jobs. I started to think to myself, like, why is it so difficult for employees and employers or their managers to essentially get along? A lot of that has to do with just the culture that the manager nor the direct hire have anything to do with. It really does start at the top. And a lot of people at the top are just so blinded about what's really going on at the bottom that they're thinking they're doing a really good job because CEOs have yes men around them too who kiss their ass and wipe it even. So CEOs think that like, a corporation is doing absolutely amazing when if you ask somebody who answers the phone at the bottom, they fucking hate that place. (laughs) And that's just how it goes. Um, That's how it goes for a lot of companies in America, because productivity is a farce. You know, you rather have motherfuckers look busy than actually be busy. It's stupid how we really set up a lot of things in our companies and at work. So duck in a desert. I talk to a lot of employees and they're like, this is what I necessarily need. if You all want me to be better, but I'm not getting that. And then I talk to managers and I say, hey, employee A says they need X, Y, and Z so that they can be more productive and hit their metrics and do what you essentially need them to do. Is there some type of compromise? Is there a level of support that you can offer them so that we can pretty much close the gap here? And a lot of managers are like, nope, I ain't got shit for him. It is what it is. <laughs> you, that's typically a lot of the time, you know, managers just throw it to the next nigga up top. It's like, oh, it's out of my hands. I really can't do much, you know. And, and essentially everyone keeps throwing it all the way up into the top until you get to the, you know, the head honcho. And that nigga just hit you with a, it is what it is. If you don't like it, you can leave. And then that's when I thought like, wow, you do have people who really want to be here, who really want to do the work. And there's just a lot of things within this culture that is holding them back from being the best that they can be. And then I, I thought about the environment, a desert. And then I thought about a motherfucker who not supposed to be there, a duck. And that's when I thought to myself, it's a duck in a desert. It's the duck in the desert concept where managers just really think that you're just going to put the entire onus on the employee to just spring into action and do exactly what the fuck you need them to do at all times without you actually having to step in and support them in any kind of way. And that is just to say that a duck cannot thrive in a desert. It can be there. For a couple days, maybe even a couple weeks, you know, it'll, it'll figure some shit out. It'll work. It'll work through it, but that is not where the fuck that duck is supposed to be. It's supposed to be on a lily pad and a pond and marsh and water. It has absolutely none of the resources or the materials that it needs to thrive. It at the end of the day, don't even want to fucking be there. you know? Like the duck is like, holy hell, I am hot as fuck. I want to be anywhere else but here. But if this is where I have to be, I guess I'll make the best of it. And then think about how long that duck is going to be in that desert before it dies. And then apply that to attrition when it comes to your employees. You're not gonna be able to keep talent if you do not change the environment for the talent that you have. They will leave. Like that duck will die in that goddamn desert. You all have to understand that it is a give and a take. And we do not need to have 40 hour work weeks anymore. Like that shit is dead. Like all research will show you that motherfuckers are super duper productive with like a 25, 30 hour work week or 40 hours where you do like 10 hours for four days, but then you give more time to people being off because to have five work days and then only two work days off. It's like, God damn, I never get enough time to do what I need to do. Doctor's appointments, grocery shopping, laundry. I am always exhausted because I'm doing all the work that I can't do on the weekends. That's supposed to be rest. The God, the Sabbath, the goddamn Sabbath is supposed to be the day of rest. Ain't no resting going on. I, I'm doing all of my adulting on the weekend. So that come Monday, I can go clock back in and do what I need to do for the job that is paying me to do the little that I have time for. <laughs> what it ends up boiling down to is that managers are just not able to set their teams up for success or they do not have the capability to set them up for success because of the corporation's culture. They, they're they not supported and being able to support their direct hire, a lot of times managers do want to do more. They're just, they have their hands tied behind their back because of senior management or the executive team or C-suite. It really is top down in a lot of these situations. But you do have those managers who are empowered to assist and support and help change and set their direct hires up for success and they just choose not to and those managers absolutely suck ass and we all have encountered that manager once or twice in our professional careers and those people fucking suck and I hate to say it but those type of managers exist more than the managers that really want to see you shine and are willing to put their necks out because that's what a good manager would do a manager that's willing to put their necks out for the productivity of their team. Because get this, managers, if your team does better, you look better. So why wouldn't you want to fight for your team to get everything that they need so that they are able to do everything that they can do to make you shine? Like I would always be willing to put my neck out. For my team, because my team would see that they would see that I am willing to I am willing to bet on me and I am willing to bet on them. So if that is the case, I want everybody to step up to the plate and bet on themselves and do better, because if I am going to give you direct hire everything that you say that you need in terms of support so that you can knock it out of the park so you can do what you need to do so you could be the best that you can be. I will give that to you. And then at that time, if you do not surpass the expectations that we have set for you, then it's a different type of conversation. And maybe being at this company isn't the best for you because we have essentially supported you in the ways that you said that you needed support and it's still not working out. So at that point, you can have a different conversation. But God damn, a lot of managers don't even want to get to that point. A lot of managers are so concerned in appeasing senior management, executive teams, and C-suite that they will leave their team in the dust. And that's not what a good leader is at the end of the day. That's not what a good leader is. If your team says you absolutely suck ass, but your senior manager says you're doing a, a really good job, you are a shitty manager, point blank, period, period. You're you're a shitty manager. If you're a manager like you, but everybody on your team think you're absolutely ass, you're a horrible manager. And then you have to ask yourself, what type of leader do you want to be? Are you the type of leader that comes to work, clock in, get a check, do the bare minimum and go home? If you're that type of leader, baby, please just become an individual contributor. You do not have to be a manager if you're not going to actually give a fuck about people because if you're going to be an effective leader, you have to give a fuck about people. And then you have to understand who are the people I'm going to give a fuck about. And those are the people that directly look to you for shit, Not your manager or your manager's manager, which is what we all do. We all have been there. We look forward because we want to be forward. We want to get promoted. We want our bonuses. We want to be able to shrug shoulders with the executive team. We want to be able to go on the retreats with the C-suite. We want to climb the corporate ladder. Managers, I get it. I get that. I truly, truly do. But if you are going to be an effective leader, an effective manager, I promise you, baby, what needs to happen first, your numbers got to show that you have the willpower, the skill power, the gift of gab, the understanding of a team, the understanding of that team's dynamic first before you can get to the executive team before you can get to see sweet hail before you can even become a senior manager because if you can't lead your team to victory my god what makes you think that anybody else is gonna trust you to do anything additional see that's what a lot of managers don't understand and, and unfortunately, I hate to say but a lot of managers get away with that shit because the company culture does not necessarily state that the better managers get promoted. It just sometimes it's just the raggedy ass nigga that been there for the longest. Or it's the raggedy ass motherfucker that you like to go golfing with. Or it's the raggedy ass motherfucker that gave you $100 at the strip club because it, at the end of the day, a lot of these corporations are still boys clubs, which is fucked up. So it does keep a lot of people of color. It keeps women, people who have disabilities. It keeps a lot of people out of even having an opportunity to get to senior management or the executive team or C-suite. Because a lot of those managers are your glass ceiling, (laughs) to tell you the truth. When you have an ineffective manager, that motherfucker is your glass ceiling. And I hate it that we're not looking to coach managers to be better coaches. That's where a lot of things are falling through the cracks. At a lot of these corporations, the bigger the corporation, the bigger the crack. Period. So if we are going to have better situations where you have motherfuckers, you don't you want people to show up to work and actually want to be there? Don't you want somebody to walk through the door at six o'clock in the morning and be like, hey, Jim, what's going on? How was your weekend? How's the wife? You can get those people. You truly can get those people to show up and actually be alert and want to fucking be there at six o'clock in the morning. If you are an effective leader and a better manager, I promise you, baby, you will get to C-suite. But you can't get to C-suite if you got a raggedy ass team. So if your team can't vouch for your leadership, please don't think that you're gonna get to C-suite and stay there. You might be able to get pushed to C-suite. You won't be a good C-suite person. You won't be a good chief of shit. You won't be a good manager of shit. If you can't effectively lead a team when you are just a simple manager, and a lot of corporations need to start putting money into the learning and development departments that you all have, or create one if you don't, because there are so many managers that are so ineffective because the company culture is horrible. You do not look at the person, you look at them as a number. You are only consistent with asking teams to show up in terms of metrics and productivity, but you don't never check in with the team's morale and how people feel about the job. And that's why a lot of people right now are sick. And do not want to go to work. And anxiety is high. And niggas are shooting themselves when they get to the job. Because they're like fuck this place. And people are like going what we call postal. Like there's a term for it. It's called postal. Some motherfucker went postal. We have to be able to understand that if you want people to work these ridiculous 40 hour jobs plus. Because to work 40 hours is smooth sailing. Because majority of people work more than 40 hours. Without additional pay. for those people who work 40 hours and then y'all are able to get time and a half and overpay, great, because a lot of people work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours on salary and and companies have been able to find the fucking wormhole in that <laughs> with being like, oh, we're just gonna put y'all salary. Which means that you can take sick days and you can be on bereavement and all that. And your pay every Friday, every other Friday won't change. Great. Awesome. But I promise you, they still put a cap on your sick days. They still put a cap on your PTO and they still put a cap on your bereavement. But what they knock on cap is the additional hours you give that motherfucker. You you understand that, right? Like you salary because they know they're going to work you. They know they're going to work you like a mule. But when it comes to you being able to, quote unquote, see the benefit of being salaried. Oh, that's a cap. You get 14 days of PTO, five days of sick. And if somebody happened to die in your family, mind you, a lot of companies will put specifications on when you can use bereavement like your mother would need to die for you to be able to take bereavement. Sorry, granny. I'm going to just have to zoom in on my break. (laughs) But they put a cap on how many days you can actually take off for you to feel the benefit of being salaried. But they definitely don't put no cap on how much hours you're gonna give them. So that's when I have to just say to myself that companies that really wanna retain high quality talent, amazing employees that give a fuck about your dream, because your company is your dream, not mine, motherfucker, not mine. Your company is your dream. I am here to help you get to your dreams. So don't you wanna, I don't know, Pat me on the back from time to time for helping you reach the shit that you want to reach. Because I'm here five days a week. Helping you reach the dream that you had when you was a little boy. Don't you want to scratch my back from time to time? That's what a lot of companies have to remember. You have to be able to scratch your employees' backs from time to time if you want them to show up and show out. Because if you don't appreciate them, they damn sure not going to appreciate the work that they're doing. So. If you don't want your ducks to die in that desert, don't put them in a desert, put them in a pond and watch them thrive. And that, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between is my tackless topic. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, what you want to eat?